Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. All right, praise the name of the Lord. We just want to start a new series. Um, perhaps some of you have seen it on Facebook. We want to look into the question of the finished work of Christ. And by that I mean, what does it really mean when we say the finished work of Christ? You must have heard so much about that. You must have heard so much about that. You must have uh, read so much about that perhaps. And sometimes too, you hear people talk so much about the finished work of Christ. So what does it really mean when we say the finished work of Christ? What are we talking about? And the question is, what actually is finished? When Jesus said it is finished, what, what, what was they talking about? What does it mean when he said it is finished? So we want to look into this. And again, uh, the, that, that word it is finished, whether it was being used even in the days of Jesus. You know, these are the things we're going to be looking at as we go into this particular story. So we're dealing with what is the finished work of Christ. This is part one. Now our test is coming from John 17, and uh, we're reading from verse 20, 28 rather. John 17, reading from verse 28. Hallelujah. And uh, this is what it says. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, the question again is, what are all things? That the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I test. Now, there was said, a vessel of vinegar, I mean, full of vinegar. And the field is poured with the vinegar and put it upon his, upon a high top and put it to his mouth. And the Bible says, when Jesus therefore, verse 30, had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. So the question we ask him is, what does he mean when he said, it is finished? Often and again, what we see people say is everything is finished, everything is accomplished, and uh, we just need to walk into the finished work of Christ. And there's nothing wrong with that. Based on depending on where you're coming from and what you see in the scripture. Uh, but let's move on a little bit. So when we say it's finished, what is that supposed to mean? Now, the point is, it is finished. Is this that everything about salvation is finished? Of late, I had, uh, I would say, a friend, when he was arguing that so tremendously, uh, to point I just have to, you know, give out of the argument, uh, the understanding is finished. You know, the main thing is, everything that has to do with salvation is finished, you only need to be awakened to it, and then you receive it. Good word. We give thanks to God. Let's look at something about 1 Corinthians 15 and verse number 14. 1 Corinthians 15 verse number 14, the Bible says, And if Christ be not risen, 
then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Now I want you to look at that. If Christ be no reason, 1 Corinthians 15, 14, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also in vain. So there is something tied to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, the resurrection did not take place on the cross. Are you getting what I'm saying here? The resurrection did not take place on the cross. So now, look at verse 15. Yea, and we are found for witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. 16 and 17, take note. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, and you are yet in your sins. Did you get that? Are you listening to me? If Christ be not risen, then your faith is in vain, and you are yet in your sins. So then, it's no longer, I mean, it's not more just about a cross now. We're going down to the issue of this resurrection. So when you say it is finished, John by reason of the cross, it's like you're cutting off everything that follows the resurrection. Hallelujah. Verse 18 says, Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. Hallelujah. In other words, if you just simply believe that everything is finished on the cross, then you're cutting off so many other sets of people. You're cutting off a lot that have to do with even your resurrection power that was supposed to flow in your life. Praise the Lord. Look at Romans chapter 4, verse number 24. Paul again writing says this. But for us also, the womb shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered, take note of this, for what? For our offenses, and was raised for what? Our justification. So our justification is on the other side of the cross. Now, this verse alone tells you something. What happened on the cross, he was delivered for what? Our offenses, meaning the cross answered to your offenses. And when he wrote, we are justified. Is that making sense to you? I want you to think seriously about what I'm trying to do with now. Amen? Listen to this again. Verse 28 now, I mean 25, Romans 4. Who was delivered for what? Our offenses. That means, 
He was delivered, that's to say, he was killed for our offenses. But his resurrection did what? Justified us. So if you say it is finished on the cross, what is finished? Our offenses is finished. By implication, God accepted his sacrifice. Are you getting what I'm talking about? No, let me not jump the goal. Let's just move on. So now, what do we mean when he says it is finished? There are basically two answers to this question. And I would like to quote from one of my conflicts. He wrote a book and he called it The Blood Covenant. And this is what he says. It is finished was used as a phrase in at least two ways in the days of the New Testament. In the Roman warfare, the general would be positioned on a high elevation so that he could watch the battle taking place below him. For where he stood, he could see when the battle had been won, while a full soldier in the thick of the battle would not know it. Now, when he could see that the enemy had been rooted, he would shout the same phrase Jesus shouted, It is finished. And every other full soldier would know that the battle had been won. So it is finished that only connected to victories. Are you following what I'm talking about? Good. The second aspect of it, as it was used, also, just you find here, it's about the phrase that has also been found written across the bottom of statements of account in ancient Greeks, answering to paid in full. Jesus emerged from the spiritual dead, he died as false, and shouted through the smoke of the battle that the battle had been won. And the sin of man have been cancelled. And what is that supposed to mean? Paid in full. What was paid in full? The demand of the law. Hallelujah. So by Jesus crying out on the cross in the church, he wasn't saying he was done with everything that was supposed to be done in relation to redemption. I don't know if I get any that. <laughs> he wasn't, I want to repeat that. He see how to die, remember? Moments later, when he says finish, he see how to die, resurrect, ascend, be enthroned, pour out the Holy Spirit 50 days later, and bring the destruction on the old covenant 40 years later. So everything did not accomplish or got finished on the cross. What was finished on the cross is the battle. Which we're going to find out in Colossians chapter 2. Where the Bible says, destroy principalities and powers. You see what I mean? Because when he said it is finished, he said that before he died. And after he died, he was buried, he rose again. Remember that? He ascended, the work is still on. Remember, if he was not raised, then our faith is vain. 
You did that. So our faith is not accomplished on the cross just there. No. Our faith is accomplished by His resurrection. After all, how were you born again? Was it on the cross? It is the Holy Spirit coming to your spirit that gives you a new birth. Not the cross. I don't know if you are following what I'm talking about. Now, I'm not devaluing the place of the cross, but I want you to understand. So when you use that statement, or when you hear that statement be made, I think we are going overboard. I think we are foreshadowing the very work of redemption. I think we are trying to bridge even the things that God wants to do. And so, we have a kind of faith that is superfluous, if I may use the word. Hallelujah. Look at Colossians 2, verse 18. Colossians 2, verse 18. Help me, Lord. The Bible says, And you being dead in your sins, follow this, and the circumcision of your flesh, have been quickened together with him, have you forgiven you all what? Transpasses. Now, what's the next thing that happened there? Blocking out what the handwriting of ordinances was written against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to what? The cross. Verse 15, Colossians 2, and having spoiled, what is it? Principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing what? Over them. Where did he triumph over them? That's the place of the battle. Where's the place of the battle? The cross. Now, it is finished means I have destroyed all the powers of principalities and powers. I've won the victory over sin. I've gotten victory over the commandment that we are against you. Are you following what I'm saying here? But having said that, remember, you see how to die, and there rose again, 50 days time, Holy Spirit was poured out, 40 years time, the old covenant was destroyed by the destruction of Jerusalem. It is all still in the process of the redemption of mankind. So when we say it is finished, just the way it is being preached, there is something that we are missing. We create faith in people that are not realizable. When men live on a state of euphoria, just thinking that it is done and nothing else to be expected, we just start telling the people because there is still more that God wants to do in the life of people. As long as you are still walking in flesh and blood, you have not got into the fullness of our redemption. And so you can't say it is finished. What was finished was the power of sin is destroyed, principalities and powers have been destroyed, taken out of the place, the judgment against you have been taken away, and when he rose, you were justified from your sins. That's what was finished. But that's not the end of redemption. Calvary is not the end of redemption. I will even say it's the beginning of the work of redemption. Are you there with me? So you'll find that the enemy was defeated. You find the same thing in Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 6. Hebrews 2, verse number 6. 
But one in a certain place testifies, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him? All the sons of man that thou bestead him. Thou madest him a little more than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor. And this says it over the west of their hands. Verse 8 says, Thou put all things in subjection in thy feet. For in that he put all in subjection in thy feet, left nothing that is not put under him. But now see it not yet all things put under him. Watch that. Not all things is yet put under him. So what is finished? That means there is still work to be done. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crying with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should take death for every man. Is that okay? For it became of him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bring many sons into glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect to what? Through suffering. Captain of their salvation, perfect through suffering. So here we find that when he says it is finished, he's actually talking about destroying principalities and powers, forgiveness of sins, but that is not the end of the journey as far as salvation is concerned. Now, hold me to John 17. I'm reading from verse number 1. John 17, verse number 1. The Bible said, The well said Jesus, and lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour is come, glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over our flesh, and that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Verse 3 says, and this is his inner life, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ in the house. Verse 4. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou givest me to do. What is that supposed to mean? I have glorified thee on the earth. Our Lord is clearly saying, Considering himself now, as already sacrificed for the sin of the world. That's what he's dealing with now. What is the meditation here? I paid the price. He was seeing the cross when he used this word. So, like I said, I don't know see that. Remember when John saw him, what was the identification he gave to him? The Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. So when he said, glorify thee, I have taken the place of the lambs as the Lamb of God. And I have finished that work by implication, I have been sacrificed. Is that okay? Right. Here he's speaking of having completed the work which the Father has given to him to do. And he looks forward to that time when through the preaching of the gospel, he sacrificed his acknowledge. And the true God should be made known and worshipped by the whole world. This is what he was dealing with. Now, go with me to Exodus. You begin to see how that works out. Exodus 12, verse number 3. Exodus 12, verse number 3. This is what he says. Speak ye unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, 
in the tenth day of this month they shall take to thee every man a lamb. According to the house of the fathers, the lamb for each house. Verse 4, and if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of his souls. Every man according to his eating shall make you, I mean your count for the lamb. Verse 5, your lamb shall be without blemish. In the middle of the first year, you take it out from among the sheep or from the gods. Is that okay? You know the story. Now go down to Leviticus 16, verse 14. Yeah, the Bible says, And it shall take, talking about the high priest now, And it shall take of the blood of the bullock, and sprinkle it with his finger upon the message seat, eastward, and before the message seat shall he sprinkle of the blood with his finger seven times. Verse 15. Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people, and bring his blood within the wall. And do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bullock. And struggle is upon the messages and before the messages. And again, verse 16 says, And he shall make an atonement. That's the key point. He shall make an atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel and because of their transgression in all their sins. And so shall he do for the tabernacle of the congregation that remaineth among them in the midst of their uncleanness. So what is that supposed to mean? The blood that was shed of this lamb, of this goat, whatever it is, was for the sins of the people. For atonement, in other words, for their forgiveness. Is that okay? Are you with me? Good. So now, that's the function of the high priest. When he said that in the book of Exodus, every father in the family was to do that. But in Leviticus, when he gave the priesthood to the Levite, they were supposed to do that on behalf of the children of Israel. Okay, now, see how he played out in the life of Jesus in Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews 9, verse number 6. That's what he says. Now when the things were done for them, the priest went always into the first tabernacle, according to the service of God. But into the second wing, the high priest, alone was every year, not without blood, which he offered of himself, and for the errors of the people. Notice that. The verse says, the Holy Ghost this signifying that the way into the holiness of God was not yet manifest, while after the first tabernacle was yet standing, that is said, which was the figure for the time then present, in which we offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the sacrifice perfect as touching or pertaining to the conscience. Now the saint says, We stood only in meat and drinks and diverse washings and canal balances imposed on them until the time of reformation. 11 says, But Christ being come and high priest of good things to come by a great and a more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. For Christ is not entered into the holy place, made with hands, which are the figure of the true, but into the heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. 25 says, nor yet that he should offer himself often, that is regularly, 
as the high priest enter into the holy place every year with the blood of others. Verse 26 says, For them must see up and have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now was to the end of the world had he appeared to do what? To put away sin by what? By the sacrifice of himself. So the cross death with the sins of man, not the glorification of man. Sorry to say. Are you still with me? And so, John identifying Jesus in John chapter 129, what did he say? The next day John said Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold, what? The Lamb of God, which taketh away what? The sin of the world. The Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. That was the identification that John gave to Jesus when he saw him. And like I've already told you, when he said the Lamb of God has taken away the sin of the world, it means to say, this is not like you offering your land all the time. All those land you be offering cannot, like we read in Hebrew 9, bring the one that offered his lamb as touching the conscience, perfect. No. It was an external worship. It was an external ceremony. But here is the Lamb of God, meaning God offered his own Lamb in place of the Lamb that men were offering. This one belongs to God. And this Lamb has no spot or wrinkle or blemish. Hallelujah. Are we together? Are you following me? So that's the point. So here, we find that the main thing that happened on the cross was the forgiveness and the atonement. He atoned for the sins of the world. But that's not the end of the work of redemption. It is even the beginning of the work of redemption. Look at John 11. John 11 verse 47. The Bible says, They guarded the chief priests and the Pharisees the council and said, What do we do? For this man doeth many miracles. If we let him thus alone, all men believe, will believe on him. And the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. Verse 49 says, And one of them named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, saith unto them, You know nothing at all. Nor consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people, and that the whole nation perish not. And this spake he not of himself, but being a high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation, the Jewish nation. But 52, in a sense, and not for that nation only, but also he should gather together one, the children of God, that were scattered abroad. That is to say, he's dying for the whole world. And so we're going to start John chapter 2. Look at verse 1. First John chapter 2, looking at verse 1. My little children, 
Don't write and this thing right down to you. But you see not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous. Verse 2 says, And is the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of what? The whole world. Did you get that? So now, when you read Romans 3.23, what did the Bible tell you there? For all our sins, Jews are Gentiles, and come short of the glory of God. The verse 24 says, Being justified freely by His grace to the redemption that is in Christ. What is the justification? Your sins are forgiven. Is that okay? Now, don't forget, the justification only took place on the other side of the cross. Verse 25, Romans 3. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of what? Of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. The verse 26 says, To declare sin of this time this righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Praise the living God. So, what do you think he meant when he said it is finished? Again, we'll look at that. This is the process. I've read in John chapter 19, verse 8, when Jesus therefore received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. Right? And then he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. So when he said it is finished, here is what follows I have executed the great plans of God. What is the plan of God? Man will be redeemed back unto God. But the sacrifice has to be offered. Amen? He meant to say, I satisfy the demand of his justice. The wages of sin is the law. I mean, wages of sin is death. Is that okay? And the sting of death is the law. The wages of sin is death. Now the law is there to show us that we are sinners, remember. But only have the power. And so the law keeps telling us, these men are qualified to die. And so when Jesus said to finish, he meant to say, I have met with the condition that you demanded the law. Are you listening to me? The Lord said the ways of sin is dead, and all have sinned and come to the glory of God. So all are now qualified to do what? To die. So when Jesus died, he said, it is finished, meaning I have been able to fulfill the condition that the Lord wants. Are you following what I'm saying here? That thing that was standing against you, that's why he said, I've destroyed principalities and powers, and every ordinance that was written against you, I've destroyed them. So it is finished. The demand of the law 
that you must be killed is finished in the sense that he was killed in your place. Hallelujah. He meant to say, verse number three or number three, I've accomplished all that was written in the law and the prophet, and now the way to the old holies is made manifest through my blood. By implication, we are now have access to approach God through his sacrifice. But that you have access before God is not the same thing as the redemption of your bodies. Praise the Lord. For the law is fulfilled as never before, all sins in its obedience unto death, even the death of the cross, is the fulfillment of the law. Five. The sufferings and agonies in a demon man are over. What it will take to redeem man I have accomplished it. Remember, the suffering right from the beating down to the cross, they were all on the base of man. Remember what the scripture says in the book of Isaiah? Our chastisement were laid upon him. You remember that? Good. So everything you are supposed to receive, all the beating you are supposed to receive for the sins he committed were laid on him. That's what it means. So when he says it is finished, it's like saying, remember, the first Corinthian Paul was writing, I received 39 strokes of the cake. The Lord demanded that when you sin or commit a certain offense, he gives you 40 strokes of the cake. And the Bible even says, don't exceed that, let your brother become disfigured before your face. So Paul got 39 strokes of the cane. And you can imagine what that means. Remember, this is not just ordinary cane, it has to be whipped with tongues on it. He got 39 strokes. Because the Lord said 40 strokes, don't exceed 40 strokes. Let your brother become disfigured before you. So when we are beating him and carrying the cross unto Calvary, he was fulfilling that same law. That you should receive stroke, so he received his stroke on your behalf. Are you following what I'm saying now? Good. Six. The work long contemplated, long promised, long despaired by the prophet, and saying is done. In other words, everything the prophet spoke about, especially like the case of Isaiah now. Is that okay? The chastisement of our peace was what? Upon him. By his stripes you are healed. All of those things the prophet spoke about. He's not saying, I've accomplished them. It is finished. What Isaiah spoke about, I've accomplished it. Everything the prophet spoke about, I've just accomplished it. That's what he's saying there. But that is not the end of redemption. That is directly connected to the punishment you are supposed to receive as a sinner. Hallelujah. Again, he's speaking about the Messianic prophecy is accomplished. In other words, remember, the child is born, the son is given. Is that okay? The testament of peace shall be upon him. Government opinion upon him showed all of those things, the time of the Messiah, everything, he said, it is now. By implication, I'm about to usher in the kingdom of God. As prophesied, and people like Daniel, people like Isaiah. So, 
It is finished, meaning the world is spoke before, which a prophecy are now fulfilled. Is that okay? Look at Daniel chapter 9, verse 20, 20, 24. It says, Seven weeks are determined upon thy people, Israel now, and upon thy holy city, to finish the transgression, and to make an end of sins, and to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the holy place. So when he says we have finished, it means he has finished the transgression, and made reconciliation for iniquity, and brought in everlasting righteousness, and sealed up the vision and prophecy, and anointed the most holy place. If you read it from the NIV, this is what it says. Seventy years are decreed for your people, Azania now, and your holy city, Jerusalem now, to finish transgression. Finish transgression means to end the work of sin. Why is it so? Because before he is present, before he is going to the cross, there was always a continuation of sin offer. Sin offer. Like we read in Hebrews chapter 9. The continuous offering of the animals yearly. Is that okay? So he's saying, when he said to end transgression, to end that cycle of continuous sacrifices in the most holy place. To put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness. Why is everlasting righteousness? Because when the priest offered the sacrifice, God declared the righteous. At that moment, are you following what I'm saying now? But you have to continue. So, you do it every year. You bring an animal every year to be able to gain your righteousness. Forgiveness from God, but now He's bringing it once and for all. That's why it's for everlasting world righteousness. It's not to be repeated. Are you there? To seal of vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy place. Seal of vision and prophecy has to do with everything Daniel spoke about, such in the destruction. So every vision the prophet had has come to conclusion. They're terminating at the point at which he went to the cross. Praise the Lord. So here we find that by the time he finished with the cross and sacrifices, he came to inaugurate the kingdom of God and give him back to a new season. If you may, if you may, if you may use the word, a new world. The beginning of a new world. Let me use that word. And so in first in Mark chapter one, verse fourteen, he begins to proclaim Repent ye for what? The kingdom of God. Is attained. We are connected to what Daniel was speaking. He said, In the days of this king, so the God of heaven set up what? His kingdom. Praise the Lord. So, through his tragic death, God is reconciled to man, and the kingdom of heaven opened to every believing soul. Is that okay? Right. And so, in Romans chapter 5, verse 10, this is what the Bible says. For if, listen closely, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by what? By the death of His Son. Did you get that? Are you following it? 
If when we were enemies, what was the enemy? Because of sin, Adam said, "Good." We were reconciled to God. How did we reconcile? Forget reconciled by the death of His Son. Now look at the next thing. Much more, be reconciled. We shall be what saved by His life. Did you get that? So salvation did not conclude on the cross. His life was released after resurrection. Did you get that? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Are you following me? This scripture alone tells you all that we are talking about. The cross reconciled us to God. But his life is what saves us. Praise the living God. And in the truth says, when did you receive the life? You never received the life on the cross. You received the life on the day of Pentecost. You remember that? That's his life. He came on the day of Pentecost. That's why born again begins from your spirit. When the Holy Spirit death united with your spirit. Are you following me? Praise the living God. I just want you to pick them because we hear this all about the place. You go to Hebrews chapter 9 again verse 24 and this is what it says. But don't, don't miss that scripture. Romans 5 verse number, verse number 10. It's so powerful. You need to always keep it in your mind. Hmm? It says be reconciled as enemies will be reconciled to God but we shall be saved by His life. Can you get that? Even though we are not reconciled, we shall be saved. That means there is something ahead. So salvation is not accomplished on the cross. That is our reconciliation to God. The beginning of the journey of salvation. Hallelujah. Because salvation, you must understand, is for spirit, soul, and body. And that was not accomplished on the cross. We were reconciled. We were enemies of God. But the cross brought us together. The family was inaugurated, if you will. But for you to be a child of even this kingdom, or of God, you got to be born again. Born from above. And that never took place on the cross. That only happened on the Pentecost day. You get what I mean? Good. So Hebrews 9.24 again says, For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which were the figure of the truth, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Verse 25. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest enter into the holy place every year with the blood of others. For well, then must he be, I mean, must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world, which world ended? That's one I want you to pick. Once the end of the world had appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So which world ended? When the world ended, here means the old covenant. 
Once the end of the old covenant, he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice on himself once and for all. That's what he's talking about. Not the end of the globe, not the end of the universe. But the world ended when he died on the cross. Because a new order was inaugurated, especially on the day of Pentecost. That's what it means here when he says, But once on the end of the world, not the end of the globe, not the end of the creations of God, but at the end of the Old Testament. Once he died, but guess what? Even when he died, that was not the end of the Old Testament. You know that? Because, he, remember, after his death, and even after he rose from the grave, Remember that Peter, James, and John were still going to the temple. Remember that? So the old covenant never ended until 40 years after resurrection. The old covenant ended when the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed in AD 70. The old covenant never ended when Jesus went to the cross. Not even when the Holy Ghost came. Because Peter, James, and John, they were still going to the temple. The temple was still standing. As long as the temple was still standing, the old covenant was still in place. Because the Levitical priesthood was still functioning. The high priest, they were still there. Many sacrifices were still being offered for 40 years along the line. Are you following what I'm saying here? So the old testament never ended when Jesus went to the cross. It didn't even end when the Holy Spirit came. For some people, yes, the believers. But for as far as the Old Testament principle and covenant was concerned, it ended only when the temple was destroyed in AD 70. Praise the living God. And that's 40 years after Jesus had died and resurrected. You see that? So that's what it means, the end of the world. And that's what... Peter was talking about in the last day, upon my spirit upon all flesh. What last day? The last day is based upon everything that has to do with the Old Testament. Is that okay? The end of the world, the last day, that's what he's speaking about. It's not about the last day that is coming tomorrow, last day that is coming in the future, where Antichrist is going to do something. That's not what Peter was talking about. For you, your, your last day was when you came into God. Hallelujah. So right from Pentecost to this hour, we have only been in the last day. It's no future. <laughs> Glory to God. Go with me to 1 Peter 3, verse 18. 1 Peter 3, verse 18. Well, let me read from the King James here says, For Christ also hath lost suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. We are the unjust, he is the just. That he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by what? By the Spirit. Praise the Lord. Can you get that? Amen. What is the purpose? To bring God back to God. That's a reconciliation. We were enemies before. So as he died, we were brought back to God. We got reconciled back to God. 
but as a beginning for the journey of salvation. Hallelujah. And so, maybe we'll just take this final scripture and we can continue from here next week. But let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 from the 16th. Hence for now, and hence for now, no, we know man after the flesh, yet though we have no Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, is what? He new creature. All things have passed away, behold, things have become new. And all things are of God, who are reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and have given to us what? The ministry of reconciliation. The way that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. Can you get that? And have committed unto us the word of what? Reconciliation. Now, therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray in you, Christ said, Be your word reconciled. For he had made him, look at that, to be what? Sin for us who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. That's what I mean by saying it is finished. Are you getting what I'm talking about? So it is finished is directly connected to the work he did on the cross, fulfilling all the prophets of Old Testament, reconciling us to God, offering himself up as a lamb, so that we don't continue to bring lambs to God for sacrifices. And meeting among all the things, the justice of the law. For the Bible says, the wages of sin is the law. So every man is a sinner, as it were, in Adam. Therefore, every man was qualified to do what? To die. The justice of the law was met on the cross. And that's the beginning, I repeat, of the journey. But that is not the finished work of salvation. Remember what we read in that Romans 3 and that's number Romans 5 10. Is that okay? He said, We were enemies, we were reconciled to God. But we shall be saved by what? By his life. He didn't say we are saved by his life. We shall be saved by his life. You have to understand that. And get a principle. You were reconciled on the cross, but it took his death to bring justification. I mean, his resurrection to bring his justification. Now, when the Spirit came down, you were, as it were, became declared righteous. You're no longer a sinner. You are not righteous because you believe in what you did on the cross. But for your journey into fullness, it is his life. And the life never was manifested until the day of Pentecost. So, when we say it is finished, we have to understand what was finished. And don't forget the illustration I give to you. The army general, or the general of the Roman army, will position in the highest tower when the wall is going down. And when the last enemy is destroyed, he makes the declaration, it is finished. Every soldier around will get to know that the enemy has been defeated, the battle is over. So when it is finished, it means your battle is over. Are you following what I'm saying now? That will mean to destroy principalities and powers. But that's the beginning of your journey. Because you see, 
redemption, like First Thessalonians five twenty three will tell you, God will preserve your spirit, soul, and body. It's not enough to say your sins are forgiven. There's a journey ahead, and that is where we're going to be saved by what by His life. So there's a process that is the all. There's a complete redemption that we are talking about of the whole man. It doesn't begin, I mean, not that. it doesn't end on the cross. There is still more to it. And don't forget what I said before. Even when he says, it is finished. He still died. He still rose again. The Holy Spirit came down. All this into place after the cross. So even when he said it is finished, it was the beginning of a new journey. Because if a spirit never came from the grave, then you are still in your sin. If the spirit was not poured out on the day of Pentecost, if it was not raised three days after, then you are still in your sins. Are you still there with me? Praise the living God. But the proof of your justification is that you rose three days after his death. And then you are now justified in the presence of God. You are not seen as a righteous person. But the key point I'm making you to understand is, when you say it is finished, that is not to say you have to claim everything overnight. It's not so. There is a journey ahead. Amen? You have to look at the journey of Israel, how many places they camped before they got to Canaan. They are always camping. And you have to go back, begin to think about the three feasts that Israel used to have. What were the three feasts? You have Pentecost, you have what? I mean, Passover, Pentecost, Tabernacle. What happened on the cross was Passover. We crossed from Egypt onto the wilderness. But that's not the end of the journey. We have to get to the promised land. Praise the living God. Are you with me? Right. If you just have the conviction, I mean, you, you, you come to that belief as if all is done, everything is accomplished, it's just awakening. No. Everything has to go with timing. Because when they celebrate Passover, there are many days, there are days how to fulfill to go into Pentecost, there are days of people to go into the Feast of Tabernacle. Praise the living God. You follow what I'm saying now? Good. Even if you have a child in your house, the child grows up, it's a baby from a baby, little children, he becomes an adult, a youth, and then becomes a man. Even though you have a baby born in a hospital, it's called a male child. Everything that makes the child a male is right there. But that child must grow up from being age of a toddler to then becomes a youth and then becomes a man. Even though the day you gave birth to that child, you call the child a man. But you see, what that child is supposed to be doing at the level of when he's 50, 60, he can't do it the very day he was giving birth to. But what do you refer to that man? He's a male child. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Right. So the, that you are giving birth to doesn't mean that's the end of the journey. And John speaking, he said, I speak to you young men, I speak to you fathers. So there's a real for young men, there's a real for fathers. Only fathers can give that. Young men can in, in, in the sense of that. Praise the living God. You follow what I'm saying here? Praise the living God. So that is right. We're going to be dealing with this. This is part one. We're going to go to part two. For you to understand that all of this noise about it is finished, is finished. You've got to watch what you really believe in. You've got to watch what people are drumming into your mind. Some of these things are making just to step foot without thinking of making progress. Without thinking of striving to enter into the rest of God. Praise the living God. 
God bless you. I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.